0: Okay, good evening. Today is the 19th, December 19th, 1923. And we are studying the big book <laughs> of Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, this week's chapter or step is step three. And our speaker tonight is Deb.
1: Thank you. Deb. Hi, everybody. I can't stop smiling tonight. Like, I'm just so happy you're all here. This is great. The week before Christmas, Hanukkah's passed, you know, other things are coming up. But I'm so glad you're here. You can walk with me because I've never talked about uh, step three specifically. And I've been mulling over, like, how I wanted to get at this step. And really, like, what I've gotten down to is, like, Talking about its essence for me in my recovery. I describe step three as the launch pad for the missile. Because we talk about being rocketed into the fourth dimension. And that's really the realm of higher consciousness. The fourth dimension the spiritual world. So I want to talk about how this step not originally but 10 years into program i started to make sense of it you know and bill lays out three things that are so critical to the entry into the step which is are you convinced am i convinced i'm a compulsive overeater real alcoholic hard drive mama and Do I believe my will is defective and I can't manage my own life? Second half of the first step. And that no human power could have relieved me of my disease of body, mind, and spirit. And that a power greater than me could and would have sought. Now, that's huge. That's a right there is a big undertaking being convinced of those things. Like you have no question in your mind about these things. Well, if you have no question in your mind, then step three makes a whole lot of sense. But if you're not convinced, you're not going to really get what's going on here. Now, I understood what this said, but it took me 10 years to really be convinced of my problem because I wanted to keep control over the food, right? And uh, I didn't want to turn over all my power. I wanted to turn over part of it. And uh, you get what you pay for, so to speak. So step three doesn't make sense if you're not convinced. So those chapters about step one are so powerful. And if you know there's four questions I like to think about when I read the big book. It's really helped me take a deeper dive into the material. And one is, do I understand what this step is saying? Yeah, I understand it. I'm pretty intelligent. I get it. Do I have any experience with step three? Well, pages 60 to 62. Can I identify with stepping on people's toes and then they retaliate, trying to run the show? Oh, yeah. I can identify with that stuff. Is it? But is it really me? The third thing is, what is this step inviting me to do? What's it asking of me? It's asking me for ego reduction. Am I willing to go there? Am I willing to let go of me and take on this different reality, this different persona? And the fourth thing, which is probably the biggest of all is, do I want to change? Do I want to have a kind of conversion experience from being this compulsive, wackadoodle person who not only overeats, but has an unmanageable life because of my defective willfulness. Do I want to change? These are huge questions. So for me, I said sort of for 10 years. So they say half measures avail us nothing. I got something from the program. I didn't get the whole enchilada. Pardon the reference to food, but you know what I'm saying? I didn't get the whole thing. I didn't understand. I... This is really important in terms of my journey. I focused on my weight loss and I defined my weight loss as my success. And I compared myself to other people in the room. And I told myself, I don't have as big a problem as you do because I'm either not 90 pounds or I'm not 250 pounds. Well, my sponsor, when I finally got to her 10 years into the program, she said, Deb, you're you're comparing yourself to the wrong people. Compare yourself to a normal leader. Then where do you stand in the crowd? I went, oh, 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 compare yourself to a normal eater." So I was convinced uh, 10 years in that I had a very serious problem. And I started to learn in step three about my unmanageability. But it really begins in step two in We Agnostics where they write about the bedevilments. Now, I couldn't identify with all of them, but I sure could identify with most of them. And then in step three, they go on to talk about a life run on my will can hardly be a success. I told myself for the longest time, i got a pretty good life going here. I'm a professional. I have a good career. You know, I have all this stuff going for me. But I define success very narrowly. I have sort of redefined success. The markers for that now are different because in our program, it's no longer about my accomplishments in the world, how others see me. It's more about what I am contributing to the world, how I'm helpful. And I'm going to go on to say that I am powerless. I admitted I was powerless. And so I had to do what the book said to get the power. But this very interesting thing happens between Bill Wilson and Carl Jung. Bill wrote to Carl Jung thanking him for what his. Relationship with Roland Hazard did to establish the importance of having a spiritual experience to overcome the alcoholism. We're not cured, but to keep it, keep a spiritual shield against it. And he wrote him this letter thanking him. And then Carl Jung wrote back in 1961 and he said an amazing thing, because he knew Latin and stuff. He said that we seek spirit. To have a union with God, we don't know it. But in alcohol, the word in Latin for alcohol is spiritus, Spiritus. Um, and so he, I'm sorry, it's spiritum. And he said, I'm sorry, I was right, the begin was spiritus, contra spiritum, which means that um, spirit against spirits that we use spirits to connect or have union with spirit. What in our program, my God was food. I used food to restore me, to give me a sort of a spiritual underpinning. I know this sounds strange, but let's face it. I mean, that's where I went when I needed help, right? And Carl Jung said, our cravings are a spiritual thirst for wholeness. And I really dug that. I thought that's really interesting, meaning a union with God. And then Bill writes, we are launched into the fourth dimension of existence by using this program, which is entering really the world of the spirit. So does spirit help the addict free from the addiction, even though we're not cured, but does it elevate us to a point where we don't need food to be in the world, to be not restless, discontent, or irritable. See, that's where I went. So I'm looking at these notes. I wanted a union with God since I was in elementary school. I have no idea what that was about, but I'm telling you, I would wander into churches in New York, which is where I grew up, I told my parents I wanted to convert because somehow I thought Catholicism had more mystery to it. My parents were Jewish. Naturally, they had a hard time with that. They took me right to the rabbi. I had a horrible experience with him. And so (laughs) that was not a pretty scene, but that's a story for another time. So then I went into college, I was a religious studies major, then I got a graduate degree in religious studies, and then I fell off my horse and I ended up in law school. But the desire for the mystery of God was always there. And it might be hard to see gluttony, or restricting, or whatever, throwing up purging as a desire for union with God. It doesn't seem to line up but if you ponder our longings our restlessness our discontent it starts to make sense so what this program has done in becoming abstinent was for me to meet those longings that restlessness that irritability head-on instead of numbing out with the food and to meet it head on I needed a place to go. It wasn't another human being because God knows I tried every weight loss program in the world. I tried talking, I had diet buddies. I, I relied on people and it didn't work, but I found a place I could go with my restlessness and my longings and my feelings of being out of sorts with the world. That's a place I want everyone to have, to go to because to me, it's the essence. Of the program and this step says i make a decision to turn my will which is disturbed over to the care of god it doesn't mean that when i turn my will over to the care of god i'm obliterated if anything in my world i see myself as a partner with this spiritual energy we work together and in that relationship. We begin, I begin to enter the world very differently. It's no longer about competition, ambition, self-seeking. I struggle with that every day. That's why I'm in 10, 11, and 12, because I'm human. And our ego rebuilds. That's, you know, I've that from Harry Tebow and other people who, who've written about that. But the idea is that when I'm connected, I have some peace. And I've learned that I'd rather be at peace than fight about who's in charge or be in control or uh, exert my will more to get what I want. Those are hard things to give up, man. That's why step three isn't for the faint of heart. You're saying, I am willing to let go. It's like the St. Francis pair, for it is in the death of self that we are reborn. What do they mean by that? The death of ego, the death of me, 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 to like, why am I here? And I think I'm trying to align myself with this spiritual world and coming into reality as it really is, not as I would have it. Like, I mean, the world is really a happening place. This stuff doesn't guarantee we're not going to confront really heavy-duty things. Death illness, job loss, pandemics, but this spiritual energy supports me through it. This is the world as it is. It's it's hard. So I think that my union with spirit, as I'm going to call it, saved me from overindulging in the food because I found a place where I could calm down, right? So I think that this is hard work. And if you take step three seriously, the next thing is you do fourth or none. Because that puts, that's the rubber to the road, man. That's saying you launch on a course of vigorous action to get to that union. And I had no idea what was blocking me until I did my fourth step. Thought, ooh, rude awakening right there. I saw the self-seeking. I saw me like the businessman, Lolly in the Florida sunshine, complaining about the state of the world. In fact, in preparing for this, I started to write out that whole section with examples during my recovery of what I did, just like what's in the big book. I'm just like that. And so my journey for the last 10, 13 years, I've been in 20, but the last 13 years, has been the undoing but i can't do it on my own and so for me the essence of three is willing to let this higher consciousness the thing you might call god care for my brokenness right to care for me so that i can become what this energy would have me be i don't you know So let's see, and there's another thing. You have to have willingness to take this step. But at the very end, it says we now launch on a course of vigorous action, meaning willingness without action is pure fantasy. If you stay willing, but you don't do anything, you don't move your feet, you've put the brakes on and now you're in a state of inertia. Deb, that's 15. You have five left. Thanks. Okay. Thanks. So you have to keep moving. And I'm I'm just saying that in the first 10 years, I checked boxes. I did not get what it really meant as it applied in my life. And I was unwilling to let go of certain things. I had a hard time. But when I saw the payoff for letting them go, it's sort of like I acted as if maybe if I let this go, I can calm down a little bit. and I did. You know, um, it's pretty amazing. You know, if I had more time, I could tell you stories. Stories are really fun, But I was a badass, man. I was I stole from grocery stores. I mean, I cheated. I did all kinds of things. And I realized, see, I had righteous indignation and I took it out on others. I blamed them for my troubles and say, I went through this, you owe me. That's really not a great way to live. I had to make amends to the manager of a huge supermarket chain on the East Coast, and that was not fun, you know? But after I did that, I felt like I created a spiritual shield between me and the impulse to steal. The impulse took a year or so to go away, but my behavior changed because I didn't want to be that person anymore. Step three is saying, I let God care for my righteous indignation and help me transform it into service, to helpfulness, to giving back. So now I volunteer at a food bank every Friday. I love every minute of it, working with homeless, unsheltered. It's the greatest experience. I feel like I died and went to heaven there. I can't explain it, but those old injuries, those old pains, those old wounds, we get the opportunity to face them head on because they drive the restlessness and and the sorrow and the grief and the discontent and if you take this program seriously and you work the steps you get to heal those things and when you heal them this person emerges this new person emerges it's just incredible so um let's see what do i want to finish up with uh well if you can't admit that if if you can admit that you're powerless and that you can believe there's a power that can help you. Then your RSVP (laughs) to the invitation is to start your fourth step tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? If you agree with what step three is asking you three, two minutes. Okay. So I hadn't been obliterated turning my will to the care of my divine guide. No, in fact, what it's brought out is the best part of me. It's obliterating the old wounds and pains and suffering and trauma that I've had. And it's just amazing. I never thought it could happen. So that's sort of generated more and more faith over time. In this divine energy, some people call it the limitless light of the sun. And I receive it. And as Herb K says, I become the lantern, carrying the light and shining it. For those of you who have not done step three or have done step three, you know, it's like we take a step three every morning we wake up. Who's going to care for me today? How am I going to do my day? Am I going to get in my Sherman tank and roll over town? Or, you know, am I going to just lay back? Let somebody else do that. So um, let's say it to, to conclude, I guess, I think I've said it all. This is the beginning of getting a spiritual shield that will protect you, not only from your disease, you're not cured, but it'll protect you from all the challenges that life presents us every day. The world is spinning right now. There's a lot going on you know, it's hard to navigate. So I invite all of you to find that place with your divine guide where you can be at perfect peace, just like Dr. Bob said in his prayer, a place where you can go and be at perfect peace. So thanks for letting me share.
0: Deb, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength and hope on that. That was beautiful, lovely and gorgeous share. Thank you. Okay, so we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week step three we ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track if you'd like to share ask a question please raise your virtual hand which is under the reactions uh, or number nine if you're on the phone i will call the raised hands in order and the zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn Would the timekeepers please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, so the first person I see is Francesca. Francesca, would you like to share?
2: Yes, please, Um, thank you so much. Hi, everyone, Francesca, grateful for your name, um, it's funny, when you made that joke about um, how Chanel could share you a time, I'm like, oh, I love Chanel. That'd, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but I'm so grateful that you shared. I couldn't take notes um, quick enough. Um, I just related um, to so much of what you said. I um, also have been, I've heard it called like a spiritual mutt, just um, looking at a lot of different faiths um, for what might religion um in college and try to be an atheist and try to just be all these different things um to kind of fill that whole soul that you said um i just wanted to though just um come on and really thank you because just the way you carried the message and how you talked about how the first 10 years how it was just like checking it off um and you know these phrases these gems like willingness without action is fantasy and how you can be a lantern and how we can still have hope. I have, um, also, this is a little amend to this group because a lot of people on this group have been so wonderful and reaching out to me and I have not been great. Uh, I have not been um, reaching out to people and, um, I have been just struggling in this program, um, you know, in and out and well in just in and out of food. However, though, um, I say all that to say is just like, you know, um, there's no sort of hierarchy in this it's like on the broad highway i like to think of just like you know everyone it's like available for everyone and fellows like yourself are just here to like just reach out a hand and be like you know there's there's room for you here and just that that willingness though um to just get honest and you know the thing that you talked about um since you were in first grade how you needed that um, that the spirit, how um, you need to, be able to access the relationship. With that. And I remember being a little kid and just not really knowing about religion or spirituality, but just feeling like there's something like just laying in bed and just being like, Is there something in the sky? Am I connected? You know, just having these like little kid thoughts about religion or God, or um, because I didn't grow up um, religious, Anyway. So, um, I'm just really grateful to just be reminded that, um you know, there is always a seat here for all of us. Um, there's always a time to just hear something new or hear something that I heard, but just really hear it differently, and that after it can be years of struggling in this program, and that that's okay, there's not um a timeline for uh, my higher power, and just I don't know, I just feel like I really learned about unconditional love. Um and your share, and you just have this lightness and just really scream for me attraction rather than promotion I'm Francesca. Um, because you're not sort of selling anything. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your share, Deb. I really appreciate.
0: Oh, thanks, Francesca. Okay, now um, Susan, it's your turn
3: to speak. Thank you, Daryl, so much. Hi, everyone. Susan, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Deb, so much. I'm so glad I'm not working because I get to be here. Um, you said so many fabulous things, fabulous. I have a page of notes here. And I was thinking about what has convinced me up until this point, halfway on page 60. So, in the doctor's opinion, I learned I'm a distinct entity and I'm bodily and mentally different. So, every time I yo yo down and go back up to 250 pounds plus, I know that I'm biologically compulsed when I eat certain foods. So it's revealed to me that I have this allergy. And once I start, I can't stop. And once I stop, I can't start. And I know how to stop and start because I'm a champion dieter. And then I am hear about Bill Wilson and I completely identify with this story, that disintegration, that bitter morass of self-pity that I had every day, that vim and vigor to start all over again. And here, you know, this decision I make in step three is also to keep on working towards this newfound freedom on this broad highway. And those ABCs, they're there for a reason before they ask me if I'm convinced because all the other pages have brought me there to tell me that I'm going to grow along spiritual lines. I'm not going to be a saint. I've been invited to believe in a power greater than myself more than on a Sunday night. And There's also some hammers in here that don't feel good. I get to hear that selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of my troubles. They're saying very kindly that we think is the root, but I know from my own experience that that was a lot of it. I would have thought it was poor me, don't you know what everybody else has done to me? Um, And then driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So that's really telling me the nature of my issue. And it wasn't that I ate too much. I did eat a lot, but that wasn't the problem. And I get to see here as well that I would always choose me. Um, And then here's a little promise, you know, doesn't start out as one above everything we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness we must or it will kill us well that doesn't sound too fabulous however then and for me i use the word god god makes this possible that possible and then you know for me and i'm sure a lot of you have it done as well i have everything written here in the personal pronoun And reading it aloud, and we do similar things when I used to go to Herb's workshops in person, the bedevilments, when you all read them out in the personal pronoun, 200 people, whoosh, that sends shivers down your spine. So, you know, and at the end of taking the third step prayer, it says, we thought well before taking this step. So, checking it in, checking it in, but one day checking it in just doesn't work anymore because it always ends up biting me in the bum. Okay. And on that fine note, I will leave. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Susan. Okay, Nancy, it is your turn to share.
4: Hi, Nancy G, compulsive overeater, very grateful. Today is actually a year since I went to my first OA meeting. And yesterday is the second time I went into what I've heard called the pink cloud at an AA meeting because I was desperate for God. I had to find God and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was talking about. And I, so I went to this meeting and by the time I left the meeting, I became completely food neutral for the second time in my life. And, and, and I, know where it comes from but i wanted to tell a story because deb thank you thank you thank you for your lead and your story and i think this goes right along with what you said i heard an aa speaker say this she said that somebody she knew had two kids a four-year-old and a newborn And the four-year-old really wanted to go into the room with the newborn. And the parents were like, oh my God, she's gonna kill the baby. And so they really didn't want her to do it. And they finally, they they couldn't stop because she kept hounding them. So she went into the room with the baby. They had the monitor set up. They were standing there at the ready to save that child. And they hear their daughter walk across to the crib and they kind of hear the rustling. And then they hear their daughter say, I need your help. I'm forgetting God. And when I heard that story, I got chills from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And what, what hit me was I said, I think everybody who's compulsive for anything, that we all got to that place in our lives where we went, please help me, I'm forgetting God. And we tried to find it through food or sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever way we could. And we have, because I've heard we've all heard the phrase, the God-shaped hole, I really think We're all attempting to fill that God-shaped hole, but the only thing we can fill it with is God. So, you know, and we knew that as children, as babies. And I just, that story just lights me up when I think about it. And when you started talking about that sort of similar thing, I just thought I have to share this and and you know i have my my number in the chat and the thing i am trying to do this year my goal for this year is to learn how to embrace surrender because i've been studying spirituality since i was 13 and i'm 71 and i and i realized La- especially in the last few months, I don't have it yet. I'm not even close. And I don't really know how to get there. And maybe it's that humility of, I don't know where I am. I meditate twice a day. I actually wind up saying the seven step prayer before and after I am looking and I'm, I'm seeking. And then all over the place, it says "Seek and you shall find. So that is my hope. And I just felt like I had to say this out loud because it's like, God, I want you to hear me anytime you can. And so if anybody has any thoughts, ideas, whatever, please call me, I love outreach anyway. And thank you, thank you again so much, and I pass.
0: Thanks, Nancy. Okay, so we have now reached the time in the meeting where we stop the recording so that people can share without the recording on.